Hello, and welcome to Alameda County Library's Read On podcast. We're talking about new books, classic books, and other fun stuff you can get from your library. We hope you enjoy. Find us on the web at aclibrary.org. This is Kate. And this is Natalie. And we're here with a segment we don't know what to call, but the most recent suggestion is it's actually good. About classics that are actually good. That you should read. That we don't want to kill. That we want to have more people introduced to. Have more people fall in love in the way that we have. So, working title, it's actually good. Uh, (laughs) Natalie, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you read any Anthony Trollope? I have not, but I've been meaning to since at least 2003 when I first found out about him. Because I feel like I've read all of his contemporaries. Exactly. And And that's my time period. Like, I love that stuff. You are not alone. There are so many of us out there that have run through all the Austin. And we, then we read the Thackeray. Mm-hmm. Then we tried some Dickens. Like the Gaskell, the George Eliot. Mm-hmm. And then we, we dipped down to the George at Hire and then realized there's only so Ooh. much George at Hire you can read. And you got a little desperate, right? Yeah. What are you going to do? Did you the can... Russians, which I like. The oh, French. The, Russians, the French, right. not so much, but I've done it, it. It's true. You've done it. You've been around these blocks. And yet you still have Anthony Trollope to go. So the good news is that he is around the same time period as all these authors you're, you're thinking of. He was a contemporary of people like Dickens. He actually didn't like Dickens. He talks a Ooh. substantial amount of trash about Dickens in his autobiography. Uh, he died in 1882, but before he died, he wrote approximately 10,642 books. <laughs> and most of them are actually pretty good. Um, and a lot of them are still in print. Oh, yeah, a lot of them are still in print. He's got something for everybody. He's got, if you like books about people living in the country, if you're kind of a country mouse, you got the hankering for some of that you know, Jane Austen, small town stuff. He's got the Barsetshire series for you. If you like more city stuff, a little bit of like the nuts and bolts of how government works. I actually learned a fair amount about Parliament from reading (laughs) Anthony Trollope. He's got the Palliser series. Those are the two sort of main tentpoles of his catalog. But he also has like big, satirical, thunderous, memorable books like The Way We Live Now, which is as relevant in 2008 or 2016 at this point as it was when he wrote it. I say 2008 because there's a big like financial crisis in that book, so... It, a lot of people were kind of name-dropping it a few years ago. He really does have something for everyone. I mean, in terms of his his like storytelling tone, I think there's something really special about Trollope. I, I, I want to say that he's unselfconscious, but that's not it, because he's very self-conscious. He'll occasionally, sort of willy-nilly when he feels like it, introduce himself <laughs> as the narrator into his story and say, well, I'm not going to tell you this, and I am going to tell you that. I love that. I miss that writers don't do that so much anymore. Yeah. I'm like the, dear reader. It's like, oh, you're there. Yeah, he is there. He really is there, but he's not... I guess he's just not embarrassed about the emotions in his books. People, they do all the things that you would want characters in novels to do. You know, they get in their own way. They have terrible tragedies. They have great successes. And he's very sort of open about what he thinks his characters are feeling at that point of time and what we as a reader should be feeling as we read it. And there's something so refreshing about that and so memorable. These people really do leap off the page, which is good because he was far ahead of his time in that he has recurring characters in these books. Now, it's normal, I mean, you know, it was very common to serialize the fiction as it came out, and that's what he did, but he also sort of had things in series, and if you think about it, not too many authors in the Victorian area really did that, like had characters repeat the way we do now with, say, oh, I don't know, J.D. Robb, or James yeah. Patterson, or every author we Everybody. have, basically. At the time, he was not um, not always popular for that. He tells a story in the autobiography about how he's hanging out at his club, you know, doing his, like... Victorian his era British man thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, and he overhears some people sitting by the fireplace talking trash about one of his novels <laughs> and saying that they're so tired of this one character. I think it was Mrs. Prudy. They're so tired of her. Oh, they can't read another book about Mrs. Prudy. She's one of his like defining characters. Sort of this annoying, 
very ambitious woman, but you know, a really good character, lots of layers. And she had been in the whole Barthes series. He says he, he went home and he killed her. That's so sad. It is sad. And she haunted him. Like, he felt bad about it. He was ahead of his time. Let's just say he was ahead of his time. And his name is pretty awesome. Trollope. Trollope. Yeah, it is. He has a Joanna Trollope, which you may have read. She's a descendant. I think she's a, a distant cousin. The other thing I like about him is he was, uh, he was a civil servant. He actually worked for the post office. So he wrote in the morning. And then he went to work four or five hour day, which I think was a really long shift at the time. <laughs> um, and then he went I like wish. hunting or drinking or going to his club or whatever. That's a nice day of work. It's a nice day of work. He was, he was very consistent. <laughs> There's something sort of honest about the way he wrote and about what he wrote. And I recommend you give it a shot. My personal favorite is the Palisher novels, but I think most people actually like Barsetra better. You can try either one of those. And I am going to try something. I guess I'll, I'll pick a trollop. Okay, pick a trollop. And I'll surprise you next time with my... Finally, after all of these years, it's going to be pretty epic. I will have read. That's true. All right, we'll see what she really Hundreds thinks. and hundreds and hundreds of pages of Trollope. You're going to love it, I swear to God. You're going <laughs> to love it. Looking forward to it. See you next time. See you next time. Hi, my name's Trevor Calvert, and this podcast is called Books I Haven't Read. It goes over forthcoming books that will be coming out in the next few months. Uh, one of the very first books I'd like to talk about today is Among Strange Victims by Daniel Saldana Paris, which is out on Coffeehouse Press in June. And I'm really excited for this for a lot of reasons, uh, but first, for transparency's sake, uh, because podcasts, of course, are always transparent, I should tell you that I've only read one piece of writing by Daniel Saldana Paris, a book review of an author I don't know, a guy named Sergio Pitol. Uh, yet with that review, Daniel's values really appear. He values, in this other writer, wit, ridiculousness, unpretentious knowledge and theory, collage and references both uh, Bakhtin and Hansel and Gretel all in one review. I'm also, if I'm being really honest, interested in Daniel Saldana Paris as he's under 40, he's a poet and an essayist, and was born in Mexico City, now lives in Quebec, uh, so I expect a certain narrative flair from his writing. Among Strange Victims appears to blend absurdity, insight, travel, and a character study into one story, and it's published by Coffeehouse Press, which is a fantastic medium-sized publisher whose editors consistently impress me. Anyhow, here's a description from the publisher. Rodrigo likes his vacant lot, its resident chicken, and being left alone. But when passivity finds him accidentally married to Cecilia, he trades Mexico City for the sun-bleached desolation of his hometown, and domestic life with Cecilia for the debauched company of a poet, a philosopher, and Michaela, whose allure includes the promise of time travel. Earthy, playful, and sly, Among Strange Victims is a psychedelic ode to the pleasures of not measuring up. The next title I'd like to talk about is called A Natural History of Hell by Jeffrey Ford, which is out on Small Beer Press and comes out in July. Uh, the title of this caught my eye as I have a huge crush on Kelly Link, really. She's one of the best short story writers ever, and you should totally read her. If I could, I'd just talk about her for a bit and her latest book, Get in Trouble, really.
But she's also the founder and boss of Small Beer, thus bringing us to Jeffrey Ford and his upcoming collection of short stories called A Natural History of Hell. Ford is no slouch, friends. His stories have been nominated for the Nebula Award, the Hugo Award, the Shirley Jackson Award, and a bunch of others. He lives in New Jersey, where he teaches writing and probably spends most of his time thinking up new ways to be weird, because that's pretty much what he writes. Not so much science fiction or fantasy, but weird stuff. Which is rad, because it always surprises me. Here's what some reviewers are saying. Ford seamlessly blends subtle psychological horror through a mix of literary history, folklore, and science fiction in this new collection of short stories, all focused on the hell that is living. But what I am really excited about is there's a short story included here about Emily Dickinson and her carriage ride with death. Should be good times. This has been Books I Haven't Read. My name is Trevor Calvert, and I am a book selector for the Alameda County Library. These are already on order, so please do go check them out. Okay, welcome to Let's Get Graphic, where we talk about the best and brightest in graphic novels today. My name is Kate. My name is Natalie. And today I'm going to try to tell Kate why she should read The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 1, Squirrel Power. And she has got her work cut out for her because I am (laughs) not currently much for graphic novels and Uh I'm going to lose 10 friends if anyone hears me say that, but it's true. I, I tend to be a print girl. So tell me why Squirrel Girl is the one that's going to convert me. Well, Squirrel Girl, it's written by Ryan North, who's Canadian. So. Well, there you go. I'm in. <laughs> um, art by Erica Henderson. And you may not know this, but Squirrel Girl is actually a Marvel superhero. I did not know that. <laughs> Although, I, I'm not surprised because it seems like there's an endless supply of Marvel superheroes. She's the nuttiest. There's also Pigeon Boy, right? He's a big... Is there? No. Are you making but, that up? But I fooled you for a second. <laughs> I believed it. Yeah. I believed it. She's the nuttiest superhero. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. But I'm bumping you know. Yeah. So Squirrel Girl, she has all of the powers of a squirrel. So you can kind of imagine what those might be. She can talk to squirrels. No, I can't imagine what those might be. (laughs) She can talk to squirrels, which means she can gather a squirrel army when she needs to, to help her attack her foes. That is a terrifying thought. That really is. (laughs) Even two or three squirrels together I find sort of intimidating. So a squirrel army. Part Part of the joke of her is she has a tail like a squirrel, which when she's going about her daily life has to hide. So it's like she has a big butt. Spanks. Squirrel Spanks. Yeah, so it's like, hey, look at that girl on her big butt, but really it's a squirrel tail that she could beat you with. <laughs> <laughs> so in Squirrel Power, Squirrel Girl is starting college, which okay. is actually really fun. I think college is kind of an underused setting. That's places. true. I thought all superheroes worked for newspapers. Yeah, she doesn't have a job. No. A job at all. Yeah. No. Okay. So she's, you know, starting and she has a roommate who's kind of a nerdy girl with a cat, so she understands. So the girl, this girl has her cat, Squirrel Girl has her squirrels. Is the she roommate talks like to. secretly a possum or something? <laughs> no? No, what she does, well, I can't give that away. Oh. Okay. Ah. So something okay. with the roommate that I can't tell you. She's a raccoon. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I have a teen review, actually, from Squirrel Girl, from one of the girls in my book club who's reading it, who emailed me to say, it's hella funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, that is a ringing endorsement. What's the art That's like? That's a Bay Area endorsement. Um, the art is really adorable. I can show you. You guys can't see. All right, listeners. The art is adorable. Is she, has little, she has little squirrel buck teeth. Yeah, the Hulk is on the cover, but he's not actually in this story. So that's kind of a tease. So what, what should we expect from forthcoming squirrel girl, squirrel girl volumes? The thing about Squirrel Girl is that squirrels can hear things that nobody else can hear. So she gets great information. Is that, a, is that a true fact? That's a true fact. That's absolutely true. So the squirrels find out that the world is about to be destroyed. Should I be worried that squirrels can hear me trash-talking them right now? You should. Because apparently they can form armies. They can. They and, can come. They and will their come tails for you. are more dangerous than I realized. They will come for you. So the squirrels find out that the world is about to be destroyed, and they can't talk to anybody else. They can't talk to, you know, Thor. He doesn't speak squirrel. Right. But Squirrel Girl speaks squirrel. So they tell her, we got to save the world, or the world is going to be destroyed by this, you know, crazy it's stressful guy. stressful out there for squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to see how squirrels can save the world, then you should read Squirrel Girl. Did I convince you? <laughs> you know, I think maybe you did, because I appreciate the idea that they look all innocent, and they're in the park, and they're foraging for nuts, and they're running up trees and freaking me out with their big fluffy tails. But maybe squirrels are actually on our side. I know they were all over my college campus, too. So if I could have sent them after people that were bugging me, that would have been nice. Yeah, it's a bonus. Okay, here we go. Squirrel Girl. <laughs>